I'd like to begin by wishing Christianity a happy birthday. Today is the birthday of the Christian church, if you will. Not the church after Jesus' resurrection, but the way the early church chose to celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ. We think that the beginning of a new year starts on January 1st, but not so in the Christian tradition. The first day of the Christian year is the first Sunday of Advent, because we follow with Jesus his story. And when did it begin? It began with Advent, with the preparation and the expectancy of the birth of Jesus. And then we follow through the Christian year with the actual birth of Jesus at Christmas, and then all that follows after that. And then eventually Pentecost comes. That's when we celebrate the birth of the church itself, the organized church, and then the living out of all that Jesus came to do and teach. And then we start it all over again on the first Sunday of Advent. So happy birthday to our Christian faith. Now, I'm not going to ask how many of you have already started your holiday shopping or beginning that laborious job of sending Christmas cards. But I do want to tell you about a family by the name of Parker who had the following experience actually happen to them. Patricia Parker shares, like most families, we exchange Christmas cards with some people who are quite unremembered acquaintances. Once once on our list, the names seem to stay forever. The fact that we were no more remembered than they were was evident the year we sent out cards showing a busy family engaged in holiday activities. And printed on them was greetings from the harried Parker family. Well, to our surprise, we received in return a number of cards addressed to Mr. and Mrs. Harried Parker. <laughs> How many of us this morning feel like Mr. and Mrs. Harried Parker? And it's not even December. And if you're not feeling that way yet, it won't be long. Because we are at times harried and because we are driven to play the superficial seasonal games which over the long haul inevitably wear us out and turn out to be more empty than we thought. A poem by Christina Rossi from which our Advent sermon series gets its name says this, Christmas is eternal like the love that gave it birth like the love that touches others as it reaches round the earth. Reaching round the earth. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and so we begin our sermon series, Reaching Round the Earth, as we seek to share in the mystery and the meaning of a love that reaches round the earth and touches each and every one of us. But friends, let's be honest. As we begin this season of joy music, laughter, and lights, there is also a great deal of depression, destruction, and division, and darkness in our world. The month of December, which is supposed to be an upper as we prepare for the incredible birth, is in reality for many a downer. The daylight keeps getting shorter and shorter, which reflects an inner darkening for many. 
And for some who have lost a loved one or haven't had such great memories of Christmases past, it can be a very difficult time. So whether or not that is how you are feeling this morning, there isn't a person listening who hasn't been discouraged, who hasn't felt depressed, who hasn't experienced something of the dark night of the soul. There's a powerful story of a little girl in London right after the Second World War whose father was explaining to her that they would no longer have to darken all the windows at night in order to prepare for the air raids. She said to her father, I know we no longer have to keep the light in, but how will we keep the darkness out? That is a poignant and profound question for all of us. How will we keep the darkness out? Surely that must have been how Joseph felt when he discovered that his beloved Mary was pregnant and he knew he wasn't the father. Now, whether you believe in the virgin birth or not, let's just stay with the story as it comes to us according to Matthew's gospel. I mean, if you were in Joseph's shoes, how would you have felt knowing that you had not slept with your fiance and then finding out that she was pregnant? The first emotion would probably have been shock and anger. But beneath that, anger might well have been a haunting feeling of loneliness with darkness creeping in all around. Yet Joseph, being a good and and decent man, did not want to embarrass Mary. He obviously still cared for her, so he decided to break things off quietly. And this is precisely where the good news of the gospel jumps in and surprises Joseph. And us too, if we'll let it. What kind of night must it been for Joseph when he went to sleep that night? Regardless of how bright the moon and the stars were shining, I will tell you that for Joseph, it was a dark, dark night indeed. And then in verses 21 and 22, here at the beginning of the entire New Testament, we read, But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The dream conveys the special good news of a son to be born and that he will bring salvation. The prophet Jeremiah had a vision of such a time as for us in our first lesson. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promises I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days, at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Remember, righteousness is just a big word It kind of gets in the way sometimes. It just is a word that means making a relationship right. Making a relationship right. So the prophet Joel sensed it too, as quoted in our Acts passage. God declares, 
I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The young ones shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Dreams. What are they anyway? Dreams. When someone says something that is pretty far-fetched, we often say, ah, dream on. Dream on. What are some of our dreams? What are our dreams? For ourselves, for our families, for our work or our social life, for wealth and security. Can Advent not be a season of dreams? J. Barry Shepherd, who retired from the First Presbyterian Church in New York City a while back, wrote a piece which struggles with our dreams this season. He wrote, I'm dreaming of a right Christmas, where every item that I buy will be on sale and also the ideal gift for persons who have everything already. I'm dreaming of a a bright Christmas when the tree lights work first time and flash their brilliant message of success from every tasteful, decorated, artificial, non-allergenic, yet natural, look-alike limb. I'm dreaming of a light, L-I-T-E, Christmas, when no matter how much fruitcake, cookies, eggnog, champagne, other goodies I consume, my weight will magically fall to just below the average. I'm dreaming of a right, W-R-I-T-E, Christmas, when all my cards bear personal, intimately joyful greetings and arrange themselves in matching multitudes on every horizontal, dust-free surface. I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming, but I bet what I get will be the usual Trite Christmas, impolite Christmas, damp with fog, not white Christmas, tight Christmas, goodnight Christmas, bank will not underwrite Christmas. I'm praying that despite Christmas, I find myself midnight Christmas able to invite Christmas and its newborn child to stay and light away into my Christmas darkened heart. What are our dreams for a right Christmas? What are those dreams that move us beyond self-absorbed living? Before we answer those questions, I want to share a different dream. It's Mary's dream, and it goes like this. I had a dream, Joseph. I don't understand it, not really, but I think it was about a birthday celebration for our son. I think that was what it was all about. The people had been preparing for it for about six weeks. They had decorated the house and bought new clothes. They'd gone shopping many times and bought elaborate gifts. It was peculiar, though, because the presents weren't for our son. They wrapped them in beautiful paper and tied them with lovely bows and stacked them under a tree. Yes, Joseph, a tree. That's right. It was in their house. They decorated the tree also. The branches were full of glowing balls and sparkling ornaments. There was a figure on the top of the tree. It looked like an angel might look. Oh, it was beautiful, Joseph. Everyone was laughing and happy. They gave the gifts to each other. Joseph, not to our son. I don't think they even knew him. They never mentioned his name. Doesn't it seem odd for people to go to all that trouble to celebrate someone's birthday if they don't know him? I had the strangest feeling that if our son had gone to this celebration, he would have been intruding. 
Everything was so beautiful, Joseph, and everyone was so full of cheer, but it made me want to cry. How sad for Jesus not to be wanted at his own birthday celebration. I'm glad it was only a dream. How terrible, Joseph, if it had been real. Dreams have power. Dreams have real power. So what about our dreams? Dreams for our church. Currently, we have a a committee that's just gearing up to look at a vision for our congregation, a long-term idea of where we want to go, how we see ourselves into the future. And we invite anyone in the congregation to dream and share those dreams. Dreams are wonderful things. And what about our dreams for our community, for our world, and for ourselves? What about all those things? And what about God's dreams? What about God's dreams for you and for me, for this church, for the world, for dreams?
On one level, dreaming means giving up control. Whenever we go to sleep, we are giving ourselves over to a process we do not control. Dreams and thought patterns, images and visualizations cannot be controlled once we fall asleep. When Joseph had his dream, he gave up control to God's control. First, he let go when he fell asleep. And it probably wasn't easy as he tossed to and fro, weighing all the possibilities and wondering in his mind if what he was about to do was right. But more importantly, he let go of his control, which was to dismiss Mary, and he trusted in the dream. For in verse 24, we find when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary as his wife. Joseph will take Jesus as his true son when he gives him his name. It would be legal and official, even though Joseph was not the biological father. And so it was that Jesus was grafted into the family tree of Joseph, as spelled out in the very first verses of Matthew's gospel. Jesus' lineage is traced all the way back through Matthew. Cardinal Sunans observed, happy are those who dream dreams and are ready to pay the price to make them come true. Dreams are wonderful gifts precisely because they touch us at levels we do not control. That's the way it is with God's love God's great gift of love in Jesus Christ. When we are open and receptive as Jesus, as Joseph was, it is that which controls us and not the other way around. I'm dreaming of a right Christmas. Dreams have power. So dream on. Dream on, friends, with God. Why not dream with God? Dreaming God's dreams of a world where only the only hungry people are the ones who are dieting and everyone else is fully fed. We wouldn't want any of our children to go hungry, so why should we let others of God's children go hungry? God doesn't want them to be hungry. Neither should we. Let's dream God's dream of no hunger anywhere. Tomorrow, I mean, uh, December 1st, will be World AIDS Day. Let's dream of a world where AIDS is completely eradicated, where other diseases are eradicated, where more of God's goodness and God's shalom can reign. I'm sure we could add many other things to the list, and I invite you to do so as you dream God's dreams for a world of peace, of hope, and love. But you know, when it all comes down to it, I believe that what God really dreams is that we dream God's dreams rather than desiring for God to fulfill our wishes and our dreams. And if we can dream God's dreams, why not live them too? So, friends, 
dream on. Dream on. Amen.